0: thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one, so page1books.com, and check out my Page One Books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift housewarming if you actually go somewhere, or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page1books.com. Okay, don't get too sad, but today is the last day of my 10 days of a July book blast. I hope that you've enjoyed all these 10 days, and if you missed them, go back and listen to Memoir Mondays and Debut Tuesdays and Body Blast and all the rest of the episodes that hopefully will have made your July just a little bit better. Today's our last day, and it's a Self-Help Inspiration Empowerment Friday. So let's just call it Empowerment Friday. I hope that you feel encouraged and inspired and just awesome after listening to these episodes today. Holly Martin is the author of Would It Kill You to Put On Some Lipstick? She's a writer, storyteller, memoirist, mother, frequent flyer, and former Wall Street executive who shares her many adventures in life, travel, and dating. Welcome, Holly. Thanks for coming on Mom's Night of Time to Read Books. Thanks for having me on, Zibby. We spoke, what was it, about a month ago on my Instagram live show, which was so much fun, and I loved talking to you then, and That I, so I wanted to hear more from you now. So that's how we got here. Oh, and I
2: know, and I think our conversation kind of lit up. The last time we spoke was when you're a divorced mom as well, or now you've remarried, but we had started to get into some of the psychological aspects of of being a single mom and being divorced and dating, which I think you could relate to as well. Yeah, you want to talk about that?
0: <laughs> that sounds juicy and good.
2: <laughs> I mean I think I think part of what you have to do when you are deciding to get divorced or going through that process and dating is to kind of get your head on straight. And one of the things that I realized as I was writing the book was that I felt this huge sense of shame about being divorced. And, and I felt like in many ways, our society reinforces that, that view of women, particularly single women and single moms. Would you agree with that?
0: You know, I think just sometimes people don't know what to do with things that don't fit in all the right boxes necessarily. I think like when you go from the world of being part of a couple to then not, particularly the people who are still part of couples don't exactly know how to handle it. And I think they immediately feel badly for you when maybe they you don't need any sympathy or people make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. I think, about what you must feel or you must think. or And I think some people, and I don't know if you experience this, didn't know how to, like, I know at least when I got separated and then divorced, didn't exactly know how to deal with me or talk to me or, you know, what, what it meant for them. And I think that's the other thing. I think when a close friend or something gets divorced, and I don't know if this happened with your friends, people are like, oh, if it could happen to her, it could happen to me. Or like, you know, I better back, I better like stay away. Like it's contagious or something. Yeah. Divorce cooties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, back up for two seconds and tell everybody the name of your book, why you wrote your book, what's in your book, and then let's go back to this.
2: Okay. So the name of my book is Would It Kill You to Put on Some Lipstick, A Year and 100 Dates? And it's a memoir slash manual about the year after, first year after my divorce as I grappled with being a single mom and having to date again. I was absolutely flabbergasted that i was twice divorced, I thought I'd never have to date again. And frankly, I'd never really dated that much ever. So I decided to chronicle the experience of trying to rebuild my life. And how'd it go? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the back, I think we talked about this last time, the backstory was that I had been sitting in a spa feeling sorry for myself. And I happened upon an article about a woman in a position similar to mine. She was a young She was a widow in her late 30s with a newborn. Her husband had died of cancer and she crossed paths with the late Joan Rivers, who knew the woman well enough to to look at her and say, you know, you're kind of letting yourself go. Would it kill you to put on some lipstick, set up an online account, go on a hundred dates and you'll meet somebody. And I was struck by that. And I thought, wow, could it really be that simple? And so that's sort of the motivation and the and the idea behind my memoir and i found that you know it, the book got away from me in the best of ways it's it's a little bit like sex in the city meets eat pray love i talk about a lot of the funny dates the heartbreak and then also what's happening with me in my head and my heart as i try to reconcile my life up until this point. And that became a big thing that I was looking at as as I was dating again. I really didn't want to make the same mistakes I'd made in the past. I wanted a fresh start. And I thought, this is really my chance to get it right this time.
0: It sounds so. I always make proclamations like that, like, "Well, this time I'm not gonna, you know, snap at my kids," or like, you know, like <laughs> this, you know, this new year, I, you know, now I'm gonna be patient, or I'm gonna not repeat the same things that have been my default coping. But somehow they keep creeping back in. Did you find that happened to you?
2: Well, I, you know, one thing I did do well is that I decided to keep an open mind, because what I found was that because I'd already had a child i'd had my attempt at a happy sort of traditional family i thought you know this time around rather than dating and maybe being with someone marrying somebody that i quote unquote should be with what if i just cleared the decks and kept an open mind about age income all of those things like just being totally open minded and open hearted to who i might date and and to not be bound by societal ideas of what I should be doing. That sounds like something you can achieve. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and it was, you know, what is great is that what was different this time around for me when I was dating is, you know, dating apps and online dating didn't exist the last time I was single. And suddenly the dating landscape had changed. And it really opens up opportunities for you to meet people that you would have never crossed paths with otherwise. You know, in the past, we tended to date and and marry the, the people we worked with or the people we went to school with or the people that we met at church or synagogue, right, or people in our circle. And technology allows us now to really break right out of that. And it's exciting. So how did your daughter handle your 100 dates? She, you know, at the time, she was like eight, nine years old. And, you know, she was a hilarious, you know, peanut gallery. I don't know if you saw the my book trailer, but there's a moment in the book trailer which literally happened exactly as in real life. I, you know, I, I thought I'm going to update my wardrobe. I'm going to, you know, try to be a little more chic. I'm going to get out of my mom garb, and I go out and I buy this big fluffy jacket and you know get on some cool jeans and I, like getting ready to go on a date and I walk out and I say to my daughter. How do I look? And she looks me up and down head to toe and says, "You look like a werewolf." <laughs> she was always always correcting me like I come out she goes, "Don't you think you need a camisole under that?" <laughs> like she's And I, you know, I tried to be really honest with her about the things that were going through my head and I wanted her to start to think about who should we be with and who shouldn't we be with and why and she would find, I, I would only introduce her to somebody if I had become serious about the person. But, you know, even if she hadn't met the person, she would say, well, how's it going with, you know, X, Y, Z? And and I would, I would, you know, give her a cleaned up version for a child. And, and But explain, I broke up with him because he treated me this way. Or it's going well because, because I wanted her to learn. You know, it was something that I was never taught. How do we be treated well in love? Yes, it's so important. I remember, uh, I mean, I think the whole thing of
0: dating when you have kids is such a crazy experience. (laughs) Um, I remember when I, before, I was already in a relationship with Kyle who became my husband, but I was about to introduce them. And I remember asking the kids, you know, well, if you could design like a perfect guy for me to date, like what characteristics would be important to you? And I remember like holding my breath thinking like, I hope they pick some of the things that, that he has, you know? And did they? They did. They did. I mean, you know, yeah, he's a pretty great guy. I mean, it's, I mean, I was lucky, but I was sort of holding my breath there. And I mean, they weren't, I mean, I think that one of them said like he had to play with dolls. I mean, I had like a (laughs) little kid too. So he didn't meet all the boxes, but the ones that he could meet, you know, that were reasonable, I think. But at least I wanted them to know, not that they could pick who I ended up with, but that their input really mattered to me because it was a decision that was going to be for all of us and not just something that that would benefit or affect me that they were sort of like integral players in the whole thing so
2: well it's a new it's member of the family that's a it's a big deal yeah it's like adopting a a (laughs) grown-up exactly exactly and and every and their family and maybe their kids did Kyle bring children as well he did not yeah no he's just a.
0: been a great stepdad to my four kids. And no, I told him, I was like, I'm not having more kids. So you should just like run the other way and go marry some young, pretty thing who wants to have her own family. And you should just go do that. And he's like, no, I want to be with you. So wow, I don't know. He probably regrets it. (laughs) I'm sure he does not. Dot com slash moms don't have time. <laughs> but yeah, no. So that would also, I mean, obviously that would add a, a, a layer of complication to things. So at least, that, no, we didn't have to deal with that. But going back to your book, having gone on all these dates and, on, and realized... Perhaps what's more important to you and what's not as important to you going forward? Like, what are some of the most important things you learned? Like, what are some of the things that if somebody else was like, oh gosh, where do I even start in this process? I'm totally overwhelmed. What would your advice kind of be for that person or all of that?
2: Okay. So, I would say the first thing is to ask yourself if you're really serious about wanting to have love in your life again. Because some people kind of approach it half heartedly and say, oh, yeah, maybe, or maybe they're not really being honest with themselves. And for me, I realized I did want to find my person, and I did want love in my life, and I was willing to commit to it, and I wasn't gonna do this you know, in a half-assed way. I was gonna go for it. And and the whole premise of the book kind of set me up to do that. It gave me the discipline. So I started to approach dating in my 40s with a plan and a commitment. So I told myself that whenever my daughter was with her dad, I would not stay at home and Netflix and eat pizza. I would go down to you know, the local wine bar or go into the city to a, to a restaurant and eat dinner up at the bar. And if someone spoke to me or started a conversation, I would talk to people. I would start to expand my circle. And so that just that opened up a whole new world, and it opened up a whole new world for me. Not only in terms of people that I might date, I made great women friends. I've made great professional contacts, and that's one thing that happens to people when they get divorced: is you you, you kind of lose some of your friends, and you know, and you lose some family members. Right? So people tend to take sides, so it's really important when you get divorced to expand your circle and expand your circle with. Fresh, positive people who are going to support you in this new phase of your life. And to kind of do, it's an opportunity, it's painful, but it's also an opportunity to do some spring cleaning. And then the other thing I I did to, to get the dates was I did go on dating apps and set up on, you know, try different apps, which I got some dates that way and I met some wonderful people that way. And then the third thing that I did was I put the word out to friends and family hey, I'm single and if you know of anybody who's single and you want to set me up on a blind date, I'll go on it. And I was really open-minded about it. I figured, you know, it's, it's one hour out of your life to go have a coffee or go have a drink. And again, I met wonderful people that way too. And so can you share where you ended up like in relationship land? Well, you know, it's funny. I wrote Would It Kill You To Put On Some Lipstick about four or five years ago. And it, it covered a year of my life, and I don't want to give away the ending, but let's just say the formula worked. I did meet somebody really wonderful. Since then, he and I are not together, but remain good friends, and our our daughters remain good friends. And not long, not too long after that, I ended up being in a in a two year relationship with somebody who set me up on a blind date. So he and I are not together anymore. We're still actually very close friends, and you know I can't say that. I've regretted anybody I've dated or any relationship I've been in. I think the, the further I get into to dating, the more I realize that every combination of two human beings is like new chemicals, right? It's like a, it's an everything, it's always new and fresh. Just when you think that you've seen it all, met every personality type, you just never know what's around the corner. And it's it's really exciting. So I'm dating. I I have a few stalkers and, um, (laughs) but I I haven't, of course, I haven't really been able to see anybody very much in this pandemic. I love what you just said about every new
0: interaction between two people creates new chemicals or whatever, because it's so true. I feel like in every, every relationship, every, it's not just you learning about them, a new piece of you kind of rises up to meet them as well, right? Like a new version of yourself and it, you can like, snap into it so quickly, not like dramatically different, but just like a, you know, slightly, you know, different version. Does that make
2: sense? Absolutely. I read something today on Instagram. Someone had a quote about just how dating can trigger us positively or negatively into parts of ourselves, parts of our childhood that we may not even know is there. And whether we can face those triggers, and those feelings, both positive and negative, can will sometimes determine. And then this is also happening in the person you've met, can also determine whether you choose to stay in that relationship or in some cases, it spurns you to bolt, right? Totally.
0: I also realized, and i I try to like give advice to friends who are dating about this. Like I used to say, like, oh, well, well, you know, what was wrong with this guy? Well, I don't know. He, I don't know. And I would like highlight something about him. Like his, I didn't like his shirt or I didn't like the way he folded up his sleeves or like, I didn't like that he wore a necklace or I don't know, something stupid. Yeah. right? But it wasn't that it, at all. It's just sometimes it's so hard to put a finger on when you just like don't know why, but it just wasn't right. So it's so much easier to say, well, this particular external thing is what did it when that has nothing to do with it. So like don't even met you just <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's and
2: it's hard, you know, it's hard to come up with the shorthand for friends or even acquaintances of like, oh, you're not with so-and-so anymore? What happened? Right. That too. You know, yeah. and like what's the sound bite to get them off your case? <laughs> I mean, relationships are so
0: Multi-layered. There's so much that goes into every relationship, dating, marriage. I mean, your ex, like our ex-husband. I mean, it's just like it's so impossible to sum up any of it. I feel like, right? Oh, let's just what happened with your ten-year, like, no, there's no one answer. It's like it was a, a lifetime of of something.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and you know, like, and I write a write about this in lipstick as well. as my relationship with my ex-husband, the the father of my daughter, has completely changed. We are truly friends and he has a girlfriend he's been with for six or seven years now and we get along great. It wasn't that in the beginning. We were all just, I don't want to say enemies, but we were just, there was no trust. We had to build a new relationship and a new extended family for our girl that we love.
0: Yeah. I think time is so critical. Like things change so much over time. With after divorce, even with the friends, I don't know if you found this with your friends. Like some people who I felt like at the very beginning were sort of vocal opponents or did things that really hurt my feelings right at the beginning mm-hmm. have since now that it's been I don't know five years or so, have come around and said you know what I like I regretted my behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry for that or whatever. Not that I don't know. I just feel like time in divorce. <laughs> and probably in everything, but it just changes so much for you and the people around you. And also, you know, all the, your relationship afterwards. So I don't know, time itself just changes so much.
2: Well, and it's, it's like what we were talking about a minute ago is that when one couple splits up, it often, you know, motivates your circle to look at their own marriages and their own relationships. And sometimes what you're hearing in terms of their feedback about your split up is really more about what's going on with them than what's going on with you. Yes, I wish I had known that the day that I was going around telling everybody
0: and some people would burst into tears and some people would be like, well, how do you feel? And some people would just be like, how could, you know, how could that happen? You know? Yeah. So it's a lot. You have to deal with like,
2: you have to take on everyone else's stuff. Yeah, at a time when you're feeling, chances are pretty depleted. Yeah, probably. I don't know.
0: Anyway, your, your book. So how long did it take to the actual writing of the book? And did you like it enough that you would want to do another book? And if so, like, what would that be? And if not,
2: what's next? Okay. So I, it took me, okay. So the, the, it took a year to live it. And then it took about another three years to write it. I have about, I literally have 10 different incarnations of the book. The 10th was the one that went to press. What's exciting, what's, what's happening in the last few months and I can't give too much detail, but I've actually been approached to turn it into a television series. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. So we're moving along. It would be sort of like a divorced sex in the city because there is this episodic nature to, you know, hundred dates. So I'm definitely interested in being a writer on that project. I, I would definitely commit myself to that. I don't see myself as someone who's going to spend the rest of her life writing about her love life. I've I've started my next book, which is called Drinking with Mimes. And it's stories of me back in the day when we could still do this, jump on an airplane, show up in a new country, unscripted by myself, and write about the people that I meet on the road, the stories, the, the crazy adventures. And that book has been going really well. And I wanted to kind of not only I think it's a great sequel, but not only just sort of show that just because you get divorced and even if you haven't found somebody yet, you can still have these great adventures. And I did. Like I the first trip I did, I went to Contamita, Mexico. Then I went to Copenhagen for Christmas, who I by the way, randomly met Katy Perry at
0: the time when she oh my was gosh. there.
2: That's a good title, by
0: the way, Copenhagen for
2: Christmas. Yeah, and 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 then I got a bonus trip on Christmas. A friend of mine who's a writer said, "Oh, you got to go over to Sweden and meet my brother. He's a mime." And so I, that's why it's called Drinking with Mimes. So he's you know literal mime. You know the people that don't speak right? (laughs) You're with me. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm following you. (laughs) And then from there, I went to Lisbon for New Year's and ended up meeting this fabulous gay man who owned a small palace and invited me to his New Year's party. So- Why not? Why not? (laughs) That was the start of the book. So once we get out of this COVID situation and I'm able to travel again, I want to finish off that book. Excellent. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? The only advice I have- (laughs) Don't give up and just keep at it. It took I literally got up at five o'clock in the morning for 14 years before I got published. And to to just dig in and don't give up. And you know, the writer that I thought I was at year one and what my voice was then bears almost no resemblance to what I write now. It's it's a process that you you just have to go through and there's no shortcuts and enjoy that process. And if you enjoy the process, then whether you're published or not really becomes irrelevant. Very true.
0: Awesome. Well, Holly, thank you. Thanks for, (laughs) I feel like I had like a little mini therapy session of my own here about like (laughs) all the stuff that happened five years ago. But thank you for sharing your experiences and your great book and all the rest. And thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take good care. You too. Bye, Bye. So that's it. That's the last day of the July Book Blast. That's the last of the Empowerment Friday episodes. Go back, listen to the last 10 days. There's so many amazing episodes. I really hope you've stuck with me and listened and sampled and gotten inspired to read more and gotten some great life tips along the way and above all felt connected through the power of storytelling. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.